Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Ovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you less insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this episode, we catch up with County Leitrim native John O'Connell, who runs a mixed sheep and contract rearing heifer system in Ballinamore. John, who's also a participant in the Better Farm program, discusses his scanner results with us and subsequent management of the ewe flock. We discuss the role of high quality silage in the system and the ration spec he's using this year. John puts great emphasis on ensuring he's sufficient quality and quantity of colostrum and lamin as a key part of his system. He takes us through the feeding regime, in particular how he manages singles for cross fostering. We move on to discuss the management of pregnant new lambs in his flock. We finish up discussing how these and triple rare newes are managed post lambing. We start off, however, with John discussing the importance of your condition right through from tipping through mid-pregnancy and how he tries to maintain this with his ewe flock. Yeah, well, I suppose before, if I was to go back to tipping or a little bit before it, the O's would have been looked after very well uh, pre-tipping. And so the week leading up to tipping, I would go in again and do a final call. I call very hard. And if there's a few yo's that didn't respond to uh, to copious amounts of grass, we'd say uh, they're pulled off before they're, before they're joined with the ram. And uh, and then usually the yo's when they go with the ram, then they're, they're able to hold the condition then because they've been building them up for the weeks and months previous to tipping. It just leaves management a wee bit easier and certainly it improves output of the flock. Oh, without a doubt, over the years, I've noticed that, um, you know, that, that, that work that's done pre-tipping uh, pays dividends later on in the year, right through the winter and right up until lambing and even during lambing, post-lambing, I think. Look, John, it's been, it's been a very wet back in in most parts of the country and certainly it's no different in County Leitrim, so it's not. Um, you housed a little bit earlier this year than planned, probably. I did, Kieran. I had no choice in the matter. There was a few reasons. Grass availability just wasn't there. Utilisation of grass wasn't as good because of the fact that, that it was so wet. And I didn't want condition to slip on yours. I was watching them carefully. I would have had them in, um, say, a few weeks prior to, to housing for, uh, for a fluke dose. And they were in good order. And I was watching them carefully. Didn't want condition to slip. And for that reason, I usually housed the first week in January this year, I housed two-thirds of them on the 12th of December and the last of the O's went in on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. It's important, like your point there, we're holding that condition. Just utilisation really wasn't in it this December. No, no. I could see it myself there. The, the, the quality of the grass, there was the seed to be put. The grass was there, right, but they just couldn't utilise it. And uh, because of that, that was the main reason for me taking the decision to, to house that bit earlier. And, you know, once you get them in, you can really notice them. You know, if you're a good quality side, isn't that? You can really notice them even lifting and, and picking up in the, in the, in the week after they're, they're housed even. Just speaking of side, John, like, obviously you're going, it's going to take a bit more forage for the winter, but um, because they were housed earlier, the type of silage you're feeding, John, over the last couple of years, you put a fair effort into making quality silage most years. What have you available to you this year? Um, I do, Karen. I make a good effort. I try to try to make good quality silage uh, every year uh, to have that that good stuff for the sheep. The silage this year ranges from seventy three to seventy five plus DMD silage. It's nice leafy silage and uh, it's very palatable, uh, very clean clean silage. There's no there's no soil in it and it, they're they're well preserved bales. 
and uh, the sheep are doing very well in them uh, up until now. They've, they've really they've really held the condition, and uh, in fact, I suppose they've even improved in condition because I would have been handed them a few times since they were housed. So I'm very happy with the silage. Most of the silage that's made is taken off surplus paddocks. So basically, during the year when paddocks will get too strong, rather than grazing those paddocks, I just skip those paddocks and take out this, what I would call rocket fuel silage, three to four bales per acre, and uh, and have that good quality silage then for the for the winter months. It's one way of guaranteeing feed quality. Look, maybe if I fast forward, maybe the more corn management, you know, the good condition, the back in, that I'm assuming carried through to a good scan this year. You've scanned a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I was happy enough with the scan. Uh, I, I was very happy with the scan. The scanned, I scanned on the 6th of January. Um, the main flock of yours scanned at 1.97, a litter size of 2.06. And a, a nice scan this year in particular because I, I ended up with, with more twins and less triplets. So it was a nicer scan for looking going forward at, at lambing time. There'll be hopefully a little bit less work with cross-fostering and that sort of thing because it's, it's a nicer type of a scan. Very few empties in that as well, John. Very few empties, yeah. There was only there was only eight empties. And actually this year in particular, with the price of, of dry yos, you know, um I turned them into into cash. I sold them off the following week. Um they're they're a great trade at the moment, you know, them dry yos. Just like right, there's a lot of multiples in that, so there is managing them at the moment, like right, they're on I'm assuming they're 73, 75 DMD silage. Whenever you start to introduce and concentrate. So the triplets and quads, um, there was there's a few quad yours in that. There was five yours scanned with quads. Um, and the quads and the triplets are kind of managed a little bit different to the rest of the flock with regard to the concentrate feeding. So I would have introduced concentrates to them, even though the silage is very good, I introduced them to concentrates uh, two weeks ago. And one thing I was I forgot to mention earlier was the day that the yours are scanned, they're separated into pens according to their scan and according to the body condition score and according to their radical colour. So it makes it life an awful lot easier for management and feeding those yos in the weeks leading up to, to lambing and uh, obviously at lambing time as well. So the quads and the triplets cairn would have been introduced to concentrate about a week to 10 days ago. Started them off on around 0.3 to 0.4 of a kilo. And once I go over 0.5 of a kilo, I'd be splitting that in two feeds with a minimum of eight to 10 hours between each feed. Twins, John, are they started on it yet with you? So the twins, uh, twin bearing yours have started on concentrate only today. I started them on concentrate today. So we're still five weeks. I, I, I lamb down, start lambing down around the 10th of March. It'll be fairly compact lambing. Um, so I introduced concentrate to the twin bearing yours today. And only today I actually had them out for a routine foot bath. And when I had them out for a foot bath, I always like to handle the yos and see how the condition is. And I'm very happy with how they're holding their condition overall. There may have been one or two thin yos, and that's something I do at uh, scanning. I regroup and regroup. So the yos that are thin, if I had two or three yos that were a little bit light in condition, they would be put in with the triplet yos. So they'd be getting that little bit of extra feeding a little bit sooner. The same way as if I had a yo that was only carrying a single, she'd be put in with the twin bearing yos. And it seems to work well. It seems to just give her a chance to get that extra bit of condition on. But there was very little of that this year. John, your, your singles, there's a slightly different feeding regime for your singles in the flock. Although admittedly, yeah, there so might the, be that many of them in it, but... 
Yeah, so a small number, there wouldn't be a big number of singles, but I'd always like to think to be enough singles to match the triplets for, for cross foster. It doesn't always happen like that, but this year, thankfully, there is. And hopefully hopefully, a good few of them will, will head off to the field with two lambs. So for that reason, I try to make sure that the yo, even though she's only carrying a single lamb, that when she lambs down, she'll have enough milk for two lambs. So what I started doing a few years ago, I don't introduce meal or concentrate to the single bearing yo's until about two weeks out from lambing. And the main reason why I introduce meal to them then is uh, they don't really need the concentrate in that in that they're well fit to uh, have a viable lamb with little or no concentrate. But what I do is I sneak in an extra 100 grams of soya into the ration. So I'm giving them maybe 0.3 or 0.4 of a kilo per day two weeks prior to lambing, plus the 100 grams of soya. And what I feel it has done is, it is means that they lamb down a viable, good-sized lamb, but not too big, and still they have enough milk, they have another of milk to feed two lambs, which is ideal and very beneficial for me because I like to try and cross foster or wet foster a, a triplet lamb onto that yoast. That's the main reason why they get the extra 100 grams of soya. If we go back to the basics of where you start with your feeding, that high quality silage, even how you manage that has an effect on it too. Like they're always on near 75 DMD silage most years, but just like in terms of removing refusals and that, John, how often do you do that? Well, I suppose I'm, I, I, I maybe do it a little bit more often than you probably need to, but I would do it every 24 to 48 hours max. I would sweep out whatever is left behind them. Now, the silage that have been on in the last number of weeks has been very, very leafy, very palatable silage, and there's been very little refusals, there's very little to take away from them, but I'd still be inclined to sweep it out. Um, a maximum of 48 hours would be left there and I'd sweep out and put uh, fresh bales in in front of them. So they wouldn't be forced to uh, to eat out the last of that silage because like, I suppose sheep are very selective eaters anyway, but um, I wouldn't force them to eat out the last of that. I'd give it to, to maybe some, some cattle or whatever. It'd still be very palatable, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get forced the sheep to eat it. Just in terms of the ration you're using, John, you might just take us through the kind of spec of it this year. Yeah, the ration I've been using, Karen, for the last number of years, it works very well for me. I haven't changed it because it's it ticks all the boxes. So basically, it's a barley maize um, soya um, ration. They're the main ingredients in it. It's a 20% crude protein ration. Um, and that part, I suppose, I've learned over the years is important um, because of the fact that uh, protein is all about milk. And uh, I find that if I have that protein in the ration, Rule of thumb is if a yo is carrying twins, I try to have her in the in the two to three weeks prior to, to lambing, have her up to around 0.9 to a kilo of concentrate, a 20% ration means that she should have enough milk and colostrum, which is very important. I find to have that colostrum there for her two strong lambs when they're dropped. So that's why I like to use that ration. It works very well here in that the yo's never seem to get a stomach upset, never seem to to go off their feed, especially when I when I go on to twice a day feed, and I try to keep that feed split um, a minimum of eight to ten hours apart, uh, so as they don't go off their feed. Because you know the last thing we want at lambing time is yours going down or going off their feed, and I find this this ration really ticks all the boxes for me. So I've been using that for the last four or five, maybe six years, and it it, it works very well. And obviously, look, it's the one time a year where that investment really pays off. As you indicated, it's the last thing you want is weak lambs and no cross from a new in the middle of lambing. 
Yeah, that's a nightmare scenario, you know, um, these week lambs and the amount of time that's spent with them and it's the busiest time of the year. You really don't have the time or the energy, uh, you know, to, to spend with them. And it just makes life an awful lot more difficult if you haven't got so, I suppose, the, to, to, to have the, the plan in place and to have the work done in the weeks leading up to it, it pays dividends big time when, when lambing kicks in and you, know, you have that colostrum there. It's, it's, there's no substitute for your colostrum. And it's so important that the lamb gets enough of that. You know, and I, I try to make a, a special effort at lamb and time to make sure that every lamb, you know, gets enough colostrum for them first few hours, them crucial hours when they're born. Get them off to right, sir. John, I, just, I want to bring you back on two points. That you mentioned a few times handling for condition. You do it as scanning, you know, your fluke dose and you handle them. Obviously, this year the O's are in good condition. You're not going to have as many tin ones going in and you took the steps to minimize the loss during the winter. But in a typical year, how often do you handle them? Or what do you do with them tinner ones as you go through it? Because it's not half, they can come in in good condition, but some, for various reasons, will lose a little um, during the housing period. Yeah, so I would, well, one thing I do is I routinely foot bath. So if the O's are coming up to the handling unit for anything at all, let it be um, their booster vaccine, their tetridial vaccine now in, coming up in a few weeks' time, I'll automatically let them walk through the foot bath. Um, they were up in the yard today. Um, I brought them up for a routine foot bath. If I'm taking the O's out of the shed for any reason at all, I'll foot bath them. And when I'm putting them down the race, I have, I'm inclined to, to handle the O's. A lot of them, uh, I know, are in pretty good condition. But if I'm anywhere concerned about the O or if I'm not happy with our condition, I regroup them into a different pen or give them a little bit of special treatment. And there may be an issue. A O may have a sore foot. That might be the reason why. So I might take them off, segregate them for that reason. Um, or um, there could be a few different reasons, but I'd pull them off and keep them, give them preferential treatment, or as I said earlier, regroup them with, as I said, a, a twin bearing yo, maybe put her in with the triplets and the quads, give her a little bit of extra concentrate. And if a yo isn't responding to this preferential treatment, they'll be um, noted and they won't be kept next year. Uh, and they may even, sometimes what I even do is I may even decide to, to let them yours off prior to lambing. But uh, it'll be very, very few. There may be one or two and some years none. You know? So I suppose really, John, you're dealing with but quite your time of year before you get really busy. You're trying to get them right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Just one other one to you. Like you mentioned there about rattling and split them up on it. Practically, how has that worked for you this year? It works well. Um, a little bit of work, obviously, this is the, at a tipping time in that change in the radical colour. So what I usually do is the rams are turned out with the yos on the 17th of October, uh, lambing down on the 10th of March, and all the rams will be rattled with a yellow um, paste. And uh, basically, I monitor how uh, the tipping is going. There's a lot of advantages to it, but it, uh, it, it'll tell me whether the rams are working, number one, and it'll tell me how many yo's are tipped in the first week or 10 days. So this year, for instance, 85% of them were tipped after eight days. So I decided to change the radical color at that stage. So I changed to a, a darker color then. You usually go from light to dark. So I went to a green after eight days. And at 17 days, I changed the green to red. And there was very little activity for, with the green and even less activity with red. So one big advantage at tipping time is it shows that there's very few repeats and it shows that the rams 
have been working, um, which is very important, I find. And then another big advantage is when the yolks are housed and after scanning, I can not only segregate and separate the yolks according to the scan, but I can separate the yolks according to the radical colour. So really what I'm looking at for the first 10 days, 8 to 10 days, I'm focusing on all the yolks that are rattled in yellow. And then I can move on to, so it makes it a little bit easier the workload at, at lambing time when you're shepherding the sheep and going through the sheds, um, you're really only focusing and concentrating on watching the yews that are rattled in whatever specific colour for that week or that 10 days. You're going to have a very busy start with this year, John. And just look, speaking of busy start, um, you made, you made some, a proportion of your lambs bring up the numbers every year. How are you managing yeah. them? At, how are you managing them at the moment or how did it scan for you? So they scan pretty well. I was happy enough with the scan. They scanned at 1.23, which I'm pretty happy with for, for your lambs. There was a small percentage of them that were barren, didn't, didn't scan, no big deal there. I'll run them on as hoggets for next year, or sometimes I sell them off as butcher lambs. This year I'm going to let them run on for, for hoggets for next year. So the, the your lambs, uh, one thing I've, that I've learned over the years, I try to make sure that they're at least 60% of the mature weight going to the ram and that in itself um, helps for for them tipping in that there's a better chance if they're at least 60 percent or 65 or 70 percent a good strong your lamb has a good chance of tipping and you have a more compact um when the, when the rams go in with them you'll have a more compact tipping than if they're below par we'd say so you're, you're, you're pushing for about 50 kilos of john and john then yeah, this year they, they, they were great. They were very strong lambs going to the ram. I was very happy with them. There was there was lambs up in 58 kilos going to the ram. So I was very happy. And they're, they're, I weighed them actually recently just for the fun of it. They were up on the yard and I weighed them. And there's, there's some lambs in it there now, 65 kilos. So they're great strong lambs. Should be no problem to them to lamb down and look after a lamb or two. So with regard to managing them at the moment, they would have been penned after scanning just as one group, twins and singles all together. And I introduced the concentrated them the same time as, it seems to have worked well for me the last number of years. I introduced concentrated them the same time as he introduced it to the triplet and quad bearing yews. And whenever I introduce meal to the, the twin bearing yews, which as it happens is today, I separate the yew lambs then at that stage. I separate the twins from the singles or if there's any triplets. Uh, thankfully, this year there's no triplets in it. And I separate the twins and the singles. So the singles will continue on on 0.4 of a kilo of concentrate up until lambing. Um, I won't be introducing an extra 100 grams of soya to them the same as I do with the, with the mature yews. I just let them rear the one lamb when they lamb down. But the twin bearing yews, I will up, up the concentrate with them as they get closer to lambing. And it means that they're not only a good, strong yew lamb, lamb and dung, but they have that milk and they should be able to feed two lambs when the, when the lamb down. John, just in terms of managing them yew lambs after lambing, I assume you're going to keep them as a separate group. After lambing, Kieran, as it happens, I, I try to manage the yew lambs and any triplet yews that I end up having to put because I have so many triplets and because they're fairly prolific yews, there are sometimes a small percentage of yews that will end up going to the field rearing three lambs. So they will be grouped with the yew lambs. And yew lambs, regardless of whether they have a single or a twin, 
uh, rearing singles or twin lambs, they're all grouped together and they're, they're ran as one separate group. So one thing I suppose I would do different with them compared to the main flock is that I did reduce creep to those lambs more or less from the day they're born and they have creep with them right through. And plus the fact that the, the yole lamb, because she's still growing, um, she, would be, she would be getting concentrate at grass for the first two to three weeks. And then I pulled the concentrate. Just to get off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. Because of the fact that suppose they're still growing. Like I know I know that's a men that uh, farmers out there that would decide not to breed your lambs, but because I do breed them, I try to give them that little bit of preferential treatment, you know. Then you and it you, stands to them, it pays dividends in the long run. Otherwise, you know, you won't have that your lamb as a hog at the following year. You won't have her certainly in as good a condition anyway. I suppose the other thing there, you bulk out that group with them triplet rare news on the other problem cases. With regard to management of them, Kieran, I suppose I try to, as I said before, wet foster or uh, take one lamb and foster them all to be single, single yos. I sometimes might end up with a small percentage of lambs reared artificially. And then what I do try is to, to put um, a small number of them yos that, that I'm happy enough with. They will go to the, they'll go to the, um, the field with triplets or with three lambs. But they'll be monitored very closely until I'm happy enough that they're, they're doing a good job with them. And it gives you a separate management group. Yeah. John, as always, good catching up with you, so it is. We'll try and get back to you later on in the year. Thanks very much for your time coming on with us. No problem, Kieran. No problem. Okay, we'll wrap things up at this point. Again, as John Haley, like the importance of getting feeding right in this stage of pregnancy, managing condition right the way through, um, is critical to all sheep systems, particularly for John. He puts huge emphasis on getting the basics right. You can find out more about John's farm under the Better Farm section on the sheep page on the Shoggles website. Um, there's more descriptive detail and some more videos up on our YouTube channel as well from a system during the year gone by. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chaga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen back to any of our episodes.